This video is a conversation that I had with fellow Psychonaut YouTuber, your mate Tom. Tom's channel is based on his experiences with psychedelics and spirituality, the places where those experiences have taken him and the ups and the downs within that journey. Now, I've been following Tom's content since a few years now, and there are two things which I think really makes his stuff stand out from the kind of standard vlogging crowd. First is that he has a very honest, relatable quality about how he approaches his substances. The highs and the lows, the rough and the smooth, it's a very warts and all approach, which I really appreciate. And it's something I strive to do here on my own channel. The second is that I really like his style of filmmaking. He puts a certain cinematic flair into his work, which elevates it above your typical stuff here on YouTube. What Tom is doing is providing honest, rational discourse about these substances and their effects. And the more of that we can get out there, the better. And the fact that he wraps it all up in such a well-presented shell is just icing on the cake. In this chat, we go through various subjects such as our own experiences on ayahuasca retreats in Peru, spirituality. We talk a little bit about some of our peers in the psychedelic community, <coughs> Leo Gura, and what conversations we would like to have to move things forward. So as my final upload for 2020, I bring you everybody's mate, Tom. Enjoy. So I'm here with fellow YouTuber and seasoned psychonaut, your mate Tom. You alright, Chief? G'day. What's going on? Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there with the culture, mate. In fact, that's, that's actually a, something I wanted to kind of like kick off with because I think there's something about uh, the, I think that we've got this kind of shared thing with English and Aussie where we have around this this word mate where it just becomes this kind of like Swiss army knife of language. You know, it's like we kind of use it as like a greeting or it could be like, a, it's like affectionate. We use it to calm things down. You know, we use it with like to total strangers or with our best friends. So it's, it really sets this intention between you and the person you're talking to. Is that like the same in Australia or is it just? Yeah, 100%. And that can, the word mate can be swapped. I don't know if I want, want to swear, but the C word is very abused over here. <laughs> it's more like a super mate where, where I'm, I guess that, that is, I think English and Australia have in common because some of the some of the language which which I will just throw in as as punctuation into into a sentence, like if you say that it's sort of stuff in like America, then you, you've you just crossed cultural boundaries of which you know which possibly can never be referred. So yeah, I mean, if, oh let's be political in the c word, which, which uh, yeah, I, I, just. Uh, I, I, I use it like non I, I like that's like a word of affection between me and my wife. <laughs> yeah, we no, like, we used it here as well. It is a tier of uh, a term of endearment, but um, I don't know. I'm like trying to just swear less as I get old. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just turning into a prude. But it's like, it's pretty full on because I I forget that like yeah in Australia it's fine, but then if I travel other countries in the world, then they can't. Every time I say they're like, hey hey whoa 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 what are you doing there? You know. Yeah. Get, I mean, I yeah, you, you definitely you've got to be like kind of culturally sensitive with it. But yeah, I think from where I'm from in, in the in the north of England, then we just have this kind of rich heritage of ju just uh, what I think is like extremely creative vulgar language, and it's fucking hilarious. It's just so <laughs> some of the ways, and especially when you talk to like really old people and the way they'll just glue these phrases together, it's 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 almost like poetry of. In, in the way, some of the, these things that was going on, I really miss that from where I live at the moment in Switzerland because they just do not get it at all. And even this no. word mate, like, it's like, why are you constantly using the, the word mate? It does like, you know, because they're very formal. They've got this very formal sort of social structure. So 
Uh, yeah, yeah, we, we probably got it from you anyway. Well, we remember, Australia, Australia is basically English convicts, and then we kind of oh, just don't, from don't start wailing on me about colonialism, mate. You know, I'm sorry. I, I, you're, I'm... you're our oppressor. How dare you? <laughs> it wasn't me, mate. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's really awesome to get the chance to talk to you, dude. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, you've been doing this for a while now, so I don't, I don't know much of an introduction you need, but I just, you know, maybe just describe what it is you do in your own words. Like, what, what's, what's your overall sort of mission for your sort of for yourself and your channel on YouTube? Oh, it's kind of changed over time, but I guess what's stayed consistent is that I make videos about topics that I feel like talking about pretty much. It started with obviously very heavily on psychedelics and reducing the stigma, especially with ayahuasca and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like the stigma has reduced drastically and there's a lot of mainstream figures who are talking about this stuff. So my inspiration for reducing the stigma isn't as strong because I feel like it's more education and harm reduction where I started to go towards. But lately I've been going more towards a kind of philosophical route and talking, kind of leaning more towards psychology and self-development and things like that. Integration. If yeah, I noticed that, man. I think that's something I'd like to sort of like pick, pick your brains on a bit. Well, I think I, I first came across your stuff, I think it was like probably 2017. Okay. And I think that you and I were probably in a ketos at around about the same time. So oh, really? You, so I think sort of early 2017, which I'm guessing from when you published the video, is when you were at Dreamglade, I think. And I was there at a place called Pulse Tours, which then became Arcana. Oh. And so, so yeah, it was kind of when I got back uh, from from my sort of retreat, and I was, you know, you kind of you start sniffing around on the internet, looking, you know, you, you, you try to soak up all this stuff out this experience. And I came across, I think, which I think was your first sort of like documentary piece that you did on... Um, yeah, on on ayahuasca, and uh, and uh, yeah, I've got to say, mate, it's it's fucking weird watching your stuff because you you go to all these same places that I sort of been to. Like I was watching one that you published recently, and I was like, "That's Casa de la Gringa. I've been there. I I, was, I stayed in that room there." <laughs> so it really brings my memories like flooding back. Anyway, I, I just with that um, that first video you did on uh, you sort of that ayahuasca treat. I, I mean, I loved it. I thought it was such a good piece that you put together, mate, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, it was fucking brutal in its honesty. It was mm. like, because I mean, you re there was like a sort of a turn of what happened on that retreat where I thought it was very like sort of brave in the, in the transparency that you put out there of, of, uh, of, yeah, of what can go down with this. And that's something I try and do a lot on my channel is, is it, these things are not all sunshine and rainbows. And I thought you really encapsulated that. But the other thing I really liked about it is that you, you, definitely have a like a cinematic flair that you put into your videos and i just wanted to sort of pick your you know brains about that is that something you do like creatively as like as part of your filmmaking like do, do you set out like do you know you're going to sort of do certain shots or it does that kind of like flair just come to you sort of naturally and you just it's just record stuff and put it together as, as you're editing it yeah for the most part it's been like that i just show up don't really have a basic structure and i just kind of record what i think looks cool and i piece it together but of course that's kind of like still an amateur way of doing it so like as you progress it's obviously but the more energy you put into pre-production the better the final product will be so now i'm trying to do more like actually structure it and know what i'm doing beforehand but for the most part it's always been just i record whatever and piece it together in the editing yeah, i yeah. guess like the flip the flip side of that is that if the, the more effort you put into pre-production then the more you're kind of locking yourself into that and that's that kind true. of part of it. 
so you don't necessarily get these kind of flea. Fo- I mean, it, it's the same, you know, even when you do have a, like a, a conversation like this, you know, you kind of make some sort of notes and stuff to have the thing going. But if you plan it out too much, it becomes a very stale kind of like, what do you think about this, Tom? What do you yeah. think about, Tom? You know, so yeah, I guess it depends on what your goal is, because like the beautiful thing about a documentary is that you're just you're documenting reality. So there's mm-hmm. not I mean, there is, of course, there is some pre-production you can do, but it's not like, let's say, a short film. If you just go into it, just like, yeah, let's just record whatever. It's going to probably turn out to be a disaster. So I guess yeah. it depends on the medium you're talking about. Yeah. And you've got this very sort of like gonzo element to what, to what you're doing because, I mean, yeah, you are you are recording these things, but you are the subject and, the yeah. of, you know, you, you are sort of taking it on this journey. So it's really good. There's one bit in that ayahuasca piece, which are, I was just like, I was when I saw it, I was like, fuck, that's a really good shot. And it was one where you, you, it was before you think you actually go to the retreat and you stood there and, and a storm starts in the background. You're like, there's a storm coming. Yeah. Which just perfect, perfectly foreshadows what goes down. I was like, wow, that was, yeah. Did, did you know what you were doing when you set up that shot? No, <laughs> it was all just accident. Yeah. You, it's funny because sometimes when I go into these things, it's like the universe just has my back. And it just like sets up all these beautiful shots. I'm like, oh man, that was I, I couldn't even have planned that, you know. Well, Sometimes you have to pay it just works out. It's with what goes on. So I'd, I'd like to sort of yeah, to Storm's sort of like coming. Get it. Yeah, I know. I remember actually like editing that piece, and I'm like, oh man, I forgot that I even said that. That's so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is like kind of like, it's like yeah, the, one of the beautiful things when you're recording some of these stuff uh, and. Again, it's, you know, some of these things that happens. And so, yeah, you've just got to pretty much be recording all the time to try and catch all these moments and then sift through sort of that, you know, almost sometimes hours of stuff to get that two-minute piece of magic. But that was an absolute piece of magic. I've really got to tip my hat to you there. <laughs> so, I, I mean, tell me, can I sort of like sort of unpack a bit of what went down in that video? Because, um, yeah, you, you did have, you went on on this retreat and it was, it, I think, like the the first ceremony was all sort of like going going well and then i think i can't remember if it was your second or third ceremony like this sort of shit hit the fan there and, and yeah uh, night two mm-hmm. yeah and i think the quotation there from was like the most tra- traumatic event of your life by several orders of magnitude <laughs> <laughs> which i think just like paints the picture i mean I mean, granted, that was a few years ago. Like, is is it still that kind of? Would you stay true to that label, or in in terms of the intensity of the experience? Yeah, for sure. I, I wouldn't say it was the darkest period of my life because only because at least when that experience was over, I came back to reality and I was, well, for the most part, fine. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. come out of that ceremony like, oh, now I'm just like screwed up forever or whatever. It was kind of like during the actual experience, whereas I had a. A much heavier experience with the boga which kind of triggered this nine month long brutal existential crisis that was like yeah that was definitely in terms of like uh long term that was the most traumatic in terms of this yeah man that was crazy because i went to this ayahuasca experience i brought my girlfriend along so this was her yeah. first experience man and i feel i still feel kind of bad today was uh, it your first experience or had you been there no before? i've been there so i went i did ayahuasca 2015 for the first time that's actually when i started the channel uh i went to kapitari uh there's been a lot of controversy around that retreat since then so i haven't the one where it got a a bit cool to where the guy was that too and i also i heard some new zealand kid overdosed from the tobacco purge and he died all right yeah yeah. i remember hearing about that yeah yeah and it was crazy there was a 
like an undercover journalistic piece on that retreat. And it was just, yeah, ever since that happened, obviously business went down. Um, but yeah, that was the first time I did it. And that kind of opened the doors towards this, whatever you want to call it, psychedelic spirituality and just opening up Pandora's box. And then the second time where I returned to Peru, I went with my girlfriend and just picking up from where I left off, just wanted to, my mentality going into this was like doing deep healing and kind of facing my, my shadow and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, you've got to be careful what you wish for. That's why I don't go into these things with that sort of mentality anymore. But that being said, I was going through a lot of uh, shedding off a lot of trauma and, you know, going through like a lot of drug addiction, anxiety and depression and all that kind of stuff. And the first night was fine, man. Like I went through a, it was like a classic going through like this DMT labyrinth avatar land sort of reality. And then the se it was the second night, man. Something just turned. I just went down to like, the, got plunged into the dark abyss and started to lose my mind. It was like the ayahuasca was just scraping my, whatever was left of my human mind to the point where I couldn't even understand the concept of like just simple words like friend or Tom. And yeah. I was like, uh, and I was just, and then that just kind of spiraled into like this full blown psychosis because it was, it wasn't like a ego death where like your identity just gets shed and then you're merged with the oneness. This was just pure sheer terror. And then I was like, Oh no, something's gone really wrong. And it almost felt, at the time, like the spirit of ayahuasca was like trying to kill me. Like, mm. and then I just freaked out and it just became worse and worse and worse and worse. And to the point where I was like screaming my lungs out. And I remember wanting to say goodbye to my girlfriend who was like in the Maloka as well. Cause I thought that literally the only way that I could stop this was to kill myself. Cause it was, yeah. the pain was so much. I remember actually like connecting with like the collective suffering of humanity across all time and like really viscerally feeling what it's like to be like an African soldier, for example, who snorts meth and is forced to kill people or and someone else getting raped or just like the worst shit you can imagine all put together. So it was like, it was too much. It was too overwhelming. I couldn't handle yeah. it. Even if I, yeah. even if you could tell me rationally speaking, like, Hey man, this is, you know, you're on a drug, this will pass, but the pain was just too much. I, I couldn't handle it, you know? Well, that's the thing when you when you're in that sort of space, you know. And I think this is it's something I kind of like because uh, there is the kind of like a you know a very hardcore sort of science textbook element to the sort of psychedelic community. And, and you know, whenever you sort of bring up anything spiritual, they're always like, "Oh, it's just drugs. It's just a you know, oh, you just freaked out." And stuff. it's like, yeah, but when you're in that moment, you cannot just rationalize yourself out of it. You know, it, no it's, way. It, it's it's happening to you as, as real as anything. And when I was on on that retreat again around the same time, I had a, a similar experience, not quite as dark as, as what you described, but certainly one where I was so detached from myself and I was just freaking out and people said I was just kind of flip-flopping all over the place. And I, they had to sort of take me at the Maloka and stick me in the shower and I just shat my pants all over the shower. And oh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the things we had, mate. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, the, it can be such a fucking... Uh, and an ass kicking experience and that left me completely shell-shocked and so like the next night i was yeah. like yeah i'm yeah i'm gonna have to like not drink and, and sometimes you don't actually realize how traumatic that experience was until like later down the the road because it was like my psyche was just like okay that was pretty messed up but you're fine you're fine and then like a month or two would pass and i'll kind of get flashbacks like oh shit dude you're not okay this was actually really messed up this wasn't as 
simple as like, oh, it's just a bad trip or, you know, it was just, oh, you're, you're facing your shadow or something so much more, I guess, cosmic is a word I can describe. But yeah, you can't rationalize these kind of things because like while you're in it, you can't, you can't just be like, oh, oh yeah, this is just a, a DMT that's attaching to your serotonin <laughs> receptor. And it's like, how is that information going to help me in this situation? You know, it was uh, just like a, I mean, I- I mean, the word trauma just, just, just fits it perfectly because that's that's what it is. You you go through the event and it sort of it leaves its kind of energetic sort of scar or whatever. And then, yeah, you, coming down in the morning doesn't mm. necessarily fix that. And then I think when you say it does, it'll, you know, it, it can come back sort of like two weeks off, off or a month later. I would pretty much say it's guaranteed to come back like two weeks, four months later. Yeah. It's, you, yeah. You, that, those kind of experiences... Yeah, just just bite you in the ass a bit. I had sleep paralysis. I remember like three times in a week after that retreat, and I hardly I've had sleep paralysis maybe once or twice in my life mm-hmm. up to that point. I don't know what to do with that information, but it's something that's worth noting. I feel. So what is, what is it that makes you sort of like get back on the horse then? When because I, I I noticed you again. <laughs> you don't shy away from the dark topics, man. I've seen you know I've seen a few of your videos where it's you know. You know, they saw that this had this had a, a you know a bad experience, or you know this where you felt like maybe you were sort of becoming dependent on a certain substance. Um, mm-hmm. What is what is it that sort of keeps you in in this realm? I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just some crazy Aussie guy who just doesn't learn his <laughs> lesson. I don't know. <laughs> now, I, I I I guess part of the answer is that I didn't want to leave it at that. I didn't want that just to be my last experience. And even the uh, the facilitators thought that I must have taken some drugs because, you know, you're supposed to go on a diet protocol. Yeah, that's true. They must have believed like, no, maybe this guy's like on some antipsychotic or maybe he took some drug before and he just didn't tell us, which I didn't at all. Usually when I go into these things, I take it like ultra seriously. I take yeah. the diet very, very seriously. And I, yeah, continue. I skipped one ceremony. Because the guy, they talk to us and there's so many theories that you can go about this. You know, you can go from a psychological perspective and maybe it was some really messed up trauma that I repressed throughout my childhood. And, you know, throughout my life, I've always kind of been a darkness in a way, you know, hanging out with the misfits, doing drugs, spending time in the underworld sort of thing and rebelling against authority. So that that part has sort of always been in me. Not anymore because I kind of, I've worked through that and I, I realized mm-hmm. that that was just, a part of myself that I needed to to move past because it wasn't serving me anymore. Uh, and then you could also take it as a spiritual perspective or maybe I wasn't respecting ayahuasca enough. Maybe deep down I was doing it from this ego perspective and just wanting to make a YouTube video. And like that was really my unconscious intention, even though consciously I was like, yeah, I want to heal. I want to do this and this. But really it was like, yeah, bullshit. You just want to make a video. Maybe yeah. that, that that's another perspective from it. Uh, it's a fun one. Who knows? I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think particularly when you're doing something like this, like YouTube, you, you cannot help but, but have those thoughts. And I've certainly had those thoughts. And particularly when I, when I've been on retreats or something, I get my ass kicked. Then mm. the, the, the thought just comes about you, like you fucking dick. You, you, you exactly. did this to yourself. Like you know, this <laughs> is. And, and then like, and it kind of it does encroach into some things. Like sometimes you're, you're trying to sit there, like really connecting with yourself. And then the brain sets going, oh, I'll, I'll, make, I'll make a video about this, like this. And I'm like, no, just, just give me a minute. Just fuck off thoughts. Let, let, let exactly. me have my moment. So it, it's one of those things you, you, yeah, you're trying to sort of like balance out. But I think maybe it, you know, it is, it was just 
part of your journey. And I think that's, it's almost like, I think a testament to your journeys that you did keep getting back on the horse and you did sort of kind of resolve these things because it's not uncommon for, for people to ha- to ha- have one of these, you know, what call it, dark experience and you just give it up like that. And I think that's possibly not the right thing to do because then you are, then you know you've got this little bit of extra trauma on top of what you went there for the, in the, in the yeah. first place. Yeah. And deep down and, you know, regarding all this, dark experiences like i've always felt like i've had something there to protect me almost like a guardian angel or something many times in my life like there's been so many times in my life where i should either be in jail or dead or gone down a much darker path but it's like something kind of just brings me back and so i'm really grateful for that but yeah i don't want to push my luck either so <laughs> I, fi- I finally learned my lesson when it comes to to those sort of things but man yeah it was really 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 intense especially like like imagine my girlfriend being at that retreat and seeing her partner go through this psychotic breakdown and, you know, it would have been really hard for her. And that's something that really I had to work through. Um, but, and, you know, another thing as well, it could be like the responsibility that you have. It's like if you're a teacher or a spirit, I don't regard myself as a spiritual teacher, by the way, but just like, let's say an educator. We'll get, it. We'll get into all that later on. Oh, man, don't we you? will. Oh, we will. I actually... <laughs> Loved your video on Leo Gore, and I just challenged him to a debate, by the way, but we can we can touch on that later. But uh, yeah, man, it was like, because I feel like when you're in a position of you're educating people on psychedelics, I feel like the karma comes back to you, t- you know? Yeah. So you've got to be like much more responsible with this stuff. Like Spider-Man, right? With great power comes great responsibility. And it's like, I know it seems like narcissistic even to say that, but it is, you have like... When sure, you're reaching man. a lot of the a lot of people, especially susceptible young minds about these substances, then you have a much greater responsibility on your shoulders, and you got to take that seriously. You can't just start making oh, I'm just going to ma- continue making silly videos, or just yeah, whatever. I'm just going to make as entertaining as videos as I can. It's like nah, man, you got like this is serious stuff, especially when it comes to psychedelics. And so yeah, maybe think- it was also a, a punishment or a harsh lesson from the psychedelic gods or God, or I don't know, whatever it is, but from the universe that just like, Hey man, careful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you know, you have to be a, a special kind of person to, particularly when you, when you do move into some of these areas of responsibility and you know, the, the ones that I jump out to mind, we, we, we're probably some people who we, we, we know here, but, um, uh, do you, do you know, is, is, was Carolina at Arcana when you were there? No, mm, don't, no. No, there was, yeah, there's, there's a because I've been to Arcana a few times, and there was one one um, one of the facilitators. There was this person called uh, uh, Carolina, and just you know, sometimes you meet facilitators, and these are people who've you know they've they've kind of gone, they've done a bit of service, and they're working with the medicine that help, and and, and they just kind of you know they, they're moving through. And then there's some people who are just I've got a gift for this thing, and the sort of the, the label that got applied to this one lady was uh, like a, a spiritual nurse because like. If she wasn't born to do this, then I don't know what was. There was just some people who just radiate, just just warmth and security and space out, and I am just so grateful for those sort of people to exist. And people often like say to me like, "Oh, you know, you know, oh, you know, Rob, you should go and work at an ayahuasca shop." I'm like, forget it, forget it. I that's not me. I I no. cannot be that person. Like I'm a dingbat like do not <laughs> do not ask me to like shoulder somebody else's burden as the you know as they blow the side the sort of you know the dam of their psyche because so and i think that's something people need to be careful of particularly when they take on these kind of these roles um 
because you know it, it's kind of very common for people to to have one of these experiences and think oh this is this is my calling i want to do this and i think you really need to do some self exam like is it is it really and exactly. for the people who who it is i salute you. you you guys are the best like those those some of those facilitators are just yeah angelic beings made manifest but uh, 100% and it, yeah and, and it, it takes like you know you, you got to know your role <clears throat> you know and not everyone is meant to walk this path especially playing the sh- especially the shaman role that's why after these kind of experiences it really shifted my focus i'm like oh okay no this is i'm not supposed to go down this particular path of how, not, not that i ever wanted to be a shaman no way actually that's way too much responsibility i couldn't even because then you'd have to dedicate literally your whole life i feel like for you to be like a legitimate shaman you got to spend like decades on just working with one plant let mm-hmm. alone like thinking that you can facilitate any type of psychedelic and it's all the same or whatever but and it's, nah. not, it's not a glamorous lifestyle at all like i mean, no. I, I mean it's it's really? uh, <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely like it's yeah a, a very uh like you just you would have to be i mean i mean they do sort of say that they get called to this it, the role kind of chooses them you don't sort of choose it but mm. I'm, I'm i'm kind of yeah, in awe of those people and when usually they're just so humble as well these guys are just yeah the legit yeah. ones anyway because i feel like most shamans are probably full of crap and they're probably doing it out of ego and there's a lot of that kind of that dark underworld in the shamanic world mm-hmm. of like one shaman gets jealous because another shaman starts getting success with their retreat and then they go into the astral realm and start putting poisonous darts and like just crazy stuff like that man casting curses like man <laughs> so so what do you think about that kind of that kind of collision between the sort of the traditional sort of things like like shamanism like what you get in 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 south america and say like the you know what's been kind of termed the psychedelic renaissance that's so as as these things then blossom out of you know the the cultural setting and now they're moving you know into places like sort of europe and i'm I'm not sure what the situation is down there in in australia What, what do you think there should 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 we be trying to sort of import the full sort of sh- sh- shamanic traditional stuff or should we is, is there something to the new age stuff what's your kind of position on that uh well i don't know if i'm in a position to say what we should and shouldn't do but i personally i think that we should con- well I, I i just said that we shouldn't do anything and i was like yeah we should do this but <laughs> personally i like tradition i like uh mm. honoring the sacrament and not kind of i'm not a huge fan of like the new age way of doing it because especially with these substances it's like really serious stuff and it doesn't mean that like you have to do it in the amazon or you have to do in a particular situation Uh, but there are many people who kind of serve under these guys they they do an apprenticeship and they kind of honor that lineage or they they honor that tradition and then they carry it and they they do it with like a level of love and respect and responsibility as long as you're doing it with that and it's genuine you're genuinely called to do this and you do the work even more importantly because that intention doesn't really mean much it's it's a starting point but it's about doing the work as well but as long yeah, as you get that way then yeah it, i think it gives that framework as well that's what i like about the, the traditional stuff is that because we don't have that kind of culture here so it's it's such a kind of a leap between you know me you know your average guy from sort of you know the north of england and the the psychedelic realm of transcendent what the fuck's going on that even just to sort of import a bit of that culture you know when you put yourself in that setting Mm. with 
someone to sort of guide you. It's something. It still it gives you something to sort of hang on to. You know, you can you can follow the ecos. You can sort of, you know, put export your trust a bit in, into a, a a framework that's worked for sort of thousands of years. So, I think there's there's sort of value in these things. But I, I was talking to a guy um, last night who was. And this is particularly around um, the sort of the culture that sprung up around 5-MeO DMT, which is, you know, <laughs> people yeah. as a sort of, a, 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 it used to be that DMT was like the, the top of the psychedelic tree. And then it was like, well, no, well actually, no, ayahuasca. No, it's kind of everyone's kind of, it's, yeah. the, I think the focus on 5-MeO was like the ultimate experience. Right. But, Until a new substance the, gets discovered. And it's like, no, actually, no, 5-MeO, that's child's play. Now it's this. And then eventually yeah. down the line, no, 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 that's bull crap. Actually, this is the top. It's uh, going to keep going forever, I feel. Well, there, there isn't really a sort of a, a, a any sort of tradition around that. Um, mm. I mean, there, there's a sort of, there's a, a few minor things around, you know, doing this, going like the Bufo route, but still it's not got the same kind of history to it as, as something like ayahuasca. So I, I, uh, I, I was talking to this guy and, and he was very sort of opposed to the sort of the traditional uh, approach because he thought it was just kind of like importing stuff with, with no value and it was better to, to just sort of like jump in and face the experience for what it is. And it, it was interesting. I, I kind of, I could agree with what he said, but I still thought that traditional framework has a, as a place. And, mm. and I think as I, as I've gotten more into this, I found myself getting kind of more, less, less cynical of the power of ritual, where, which mm. I used to be very, very cynical of. I was like, yeah, just fucking give, give, give me the, give me, give me the drugs. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, now. Yeah, and yeah. Sort of much more open to that. Uh, I, that I, I resonate with that attitude. Yeah, it's like that rebellious to authority. Like, oh, I don't need anyone. Just kind of, I know I what, what I'm I do talking. What I want. I've done drugs. I exactly. know my shit. But what I like so, about this tradition is that the substance itself is like just the cherry on top. You know, it's not like the main event. It's all about the preparation, the actual mm -hmm. ritual, the ceremony, and then the integration phase. And I think that's very useful because if it was literally just about taking the drugs, then everyone would be transformed after having a psychedelic experience long term you know but which obviously isn't the case so it's all about the preparation and integration phase well that's that's a kind of an interesting segue because i know you just recently spoken to uh, i don't want to murder the guy's name but brian murakeshu is it mm -hmm. um the okay i'm such a heathen how dare you sir <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and i've just finished that book and that absolutely blew my mind and of course like the, the central theme of 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 that book is really based around this tradition of uh, of elusis of you you the whole thing which led you up to sort of drinking the the, the psychic portion was like a year-long process and all these kind of steps that you that you went through and uh yeah i've got to say i, I watched your, your your chat with brian i was like i was super, you know feeling a little pang of jealous like oh he got to talk because i'd love to talk to a lot to brian so what, what's your thoughts around that? Do you think, you know, is because when I, when I was hearing about all these, these kind of these traditions of, of Eleusis and, and how it sort of lasted so long and, and, you know, obviously it's, it's so far in history, it's hard to get a sort of a read on it, but it did seem like that preparation led to an extraordinary effect of, you know, even like people sort of coming in from the Roman empire and stuff like that, just kind of blowing my mind. So, would you do you think we need sort of more of 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 that of of, of that kind of of you know the rich like the, like the diet thing you just mentioned which is something i also kind of honor when i'm i'm doing a retreat and i think it it it's flicks a switch i think in your mind even if there's you know just saying i am preparing for this yeah. i am 
you know, I, I'm putting myself in this mode. So would you would you sort of think that we need more of that kind of, of ritual? Uh, it doesn't have to be that specifically, but definitely some sort of ritual and uh, an ethos that we can follow because especially in this culture right now, we're kind of going towards that anti-God kind of destroying authority, chaos, you know, it's like that cycle that we're going through right now. Even in yeah. Revelations, right? It sounds very Revelations right now where we're living. And yeah, man, I think it's definitely important to have some sort of a ritual and to take the preparation phase seriously. And it's sort of like, it's easy. Like really, if you think about how much skill does it take to eat a heroic dose of mushrooms? Yeah, fuck all. It's this, it's this. All you have to do is this, <laughs> open your mouth. That's it. Anyone can do it. And it's like, it's easy to go into the spirit realm, download infinite knowledge, but can you change your diet? Like, do you clean your room? Mm -hmm. Simple things like that. Like, do you, how do you carry yourself in everyday life? Are you treating people with, with respect? Like, it's just these little tiny things, but the little tiny things reflect the bigger picture. So I, I would even go as far to say that if you can't do with something as simple as like exercise or eat a healthy diet and then you want to jump straight to the psychedelic experience like that i don't know it's it all, it all depends on how you do it man so i think that yeah. having a some sort of a a ritual and like honoring these sacraments and i'm not saying that like in a dogmatic sort of like it has to be in this specific way because i don't know there's obviously different cultures do it differently but there are also some universal patterns i feel like whether you're talking about the Native Americans or the South Americans or the Aztecs or the Australian Aborigines, I feel like all these cultures have a similar sort of thing of honoring the sacred and not just taking it for like, oh, yeah, let's just take drugs and have fun sort of thing. Yeah, and I, and I think it, it, it cultivates, the lack of that cultivates is kind of like magic bullet thinking in that, you know, like I say, and I, I've said this a few times myself, the hard work is not drinking the cup of ayahuasca or whatever. Like anybody can do that. It's it's what comes afterwards. And I think this is where you see people who do not have, you know, like a, a don't have a good reaction to it because they they think this solves all their problems. It's just mm -hmm. here, and not are not necessarily prepared to like to go home and you know and maybe ditch that toxic relationship and maybe. Yeah, maybe you know going standing in the pub all day is not the best thing and maybe you do have to change your diet and maybe you know exactly maybe you have to do this some self, some big self-introspection but then and i think then for the people who don't do that then you get this unfortunate situation whereby they come down from the afterglow and then wondering why it stopped working and it's like it it, mm. it it gave you the kick up your ass you needed but you have to sort of roll with it then Exactly, because it doesn't actually the psychedelic experience doesn't actually give you anything it only shows you a glimpse but you got to walk through that door and that comes with everyday reality you know yeah. and certain people even myself i'm speaking from experience as well and many people that i know who are in this field kind of fall into the spiritual ego trap where they think that having psychedelics give them like a a true perception of reality or they have special knowledge and that they shouldn't hang out with low vibrational people and they stop hanging out with their family and things like that and it's like ramdas said man if you think you're enlightened Spend a week with your family. Like that is the mm -hmm. true ultimate test. Have a dinner <laughs> with your family and actually see how you react. You know. Yeah, just, yeah. I, just, just be a good human being. Just like, yeah. yeah it's, I mean, yeah. It, it, it's, it seems so basic, but it's, yeah. I think the, the, the simplest truths really are the sort of the, the, the truest ones. 
and I guess this all sort of like packages together into, you know, I think if you describe yourself as like a spiritual person, but that, that word has a lot of baggage around it. So yeah, I'm trying to take it back. I know, rightly so, mate. Me, me too. But it's, I, I do find myself kind of cringing at it just because mm. it's because my own skepticism and, um, you know, I, I come from a very sort of atheistic sort of cocksure um, background where I, I know what's going on. I've got this universe thing sussed, you know, don't give me your bullshit. And then after having a few of these experiences, I'm like, I'm like, okay, all right, universe, you win. I'm going <laughs> to shut the fuck up. <laughs> so I guess... I, what, yeah, I would like to sort of for us to be able to reclaim that world because I think we both know that when you have one of these experiences, it's just the word for it. There is no other word for it. it it's it's like, okay, I'm having a spiritual experience. I get it now. But so yeah. what does that kind of word mean mean to you? How uh, To me, even I would even go as far to say that this physical reality is the spiritual dimension. It's, this is all spiritual. Like even if you mm-hmm. look at it from like a quantum physics level, it's all vibration it's all sound anyway none of it's like as physical as we think it is but i think that this is sacred like the human life just walking on this earth having awesome friends relationships like living your purpose like just basic human stuff like that to me is the spiritual path i think that psychedelics just give you a glimpse and and a reminder especially if you're kind of stuck in this materialistic paradigm that actually there is something a lot more profound going on and then that kind of shifts your perspective and then you go back to this human reality and you're like oh okay this is the trip life is the trip yeah so yeah that's that's how i take it anyway yeah i've always thought of it as like it's it's just that kind of aligning to that higher power and the the higher power can be anything and you know some people externalize that into sort of god or 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 whatever sort of religion they want to but it could even be like you know the spirit of humanity or this or the Mm -hmm. best version of yourself and i think when you I think that's one of the benefits of these kind of experiences. You you can feel that alignment for 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 a moment. It's like, okay, yeah, this is who I want to be, or this is where I want to be, and it gives you then a kind of a map to get there. But you still have to go and then do that legwork yourself to get there. It's not you can't just, you don't just walk out sort of floating like, okay, I'm I'm done. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, but, yeah. And then it, yeah. And then that's the challenge then to keep yourself on that path. I think. Yeah, and again, it depends on where you're at and like why you doing why you doing these things. Because I've I've kind of fallen into the trap of like maybe returning to the psychedelic experience a little bit too soon and not giving that breathing space to really integrate. And like, oh, how can I get more knowledge? And again, it's like kind of that ego: how can I gain knowledge? How can I get? How can I get? Instead of just letting it go and seeing whatever comes up, what comes up, you know. And it doesn't always have to be opening Pandora's box and getting a terabyte download of knowledge it's like sometimes I, I find myself like in the past going to a psychedelic experience wanting to gain knowledge and then it's like hang on dude you've got like five books in your room that you haven't read <laughs> there's your knowledge you know what i mean like i think we take books for granted and there's a lot of profound knowledge that humans have kind of worked their whole life through thousands of years to really structure these things you know yeah and again that's that is something then you, you didn't have to do the work on doing in reading the book it, it, it's again we, we're, in, we're in this kind of age where we all want everything no download yeah. the sort of the quick version it's like yeah I, I bet you sit down for a weekend and just read the book I'm fucking yeah read, read the foundations of philosophy read some learn some mathematics you know some basic religion or history it all it all kind of uh, accumulates into this bigger picture thinking you know 
Yeah. So I wanted to, to pick your brains a bit on, because I saw you did a couple of videos around having a spiritual crisis, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which, you know, for for a lot of people, that that is the kind of the path to spirituality. Something has to happen to get there. And I just wondered, yeah, like for, for you, is that something that's kind of like still ongoing? Have you, have you sort of, have you kind of resolved that that period of your life now? Oh yeah, no, I, I've resolved it for quite a few years now. That's why I feel confident to make these videos. Um, not that I don't think it's valuable to be vulnerable and make videos about it, even if you're going through it. But I also think there's a danger of, let's say, I don't know, maybe there are a lot of people out there who will give advice on how to overcome depression, but they're still depressed. You know what mm. I mean? And I think there's I- a you, yeah, make sure that you actually overcome the problem before you put yourself in this authoritative place of, hey, this is how you overcome it, but you haven't actually done it yourself. Yeah, and again, like we said earlier, I think it's I think it's only a few people who should, who should even put themselves in that authoritative place to say anything <laughs> about it. Like for most most of us, just, just just shut up and just be glad we got through it. Yeah, but I no, think... no, I've gone, I've I don't want to say like, oh, I'm over it, but I, I am. I haven't experienced a wave of like existential despair or depression or anxiety for years like literally years so um yeah yeah so i just wanted to sort of unpick that a bit because i think there you know some of these things do become kind of buzzwords and stuff like that so i just wonder if you could sort of like pass out what, what what's a, a spiritual crisis is one thing and then because some people i think mistake that for like a bad trip you know it's like right. a, well, no. certainly a bad trip can lead to a spiritual crisis thing or be a stepping stone to it. But yeah, w- w- would you agree that these are kind of like different? They are. Yeah, one can relate to another, but it doesn't imply the other, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So yeah, for sure. Because a bad trip, it could be gone through like a perceived spiritual crisis in the moment. But then once it's over, you could just go back to normal and be like, whew, that was crazy. I'm glad I'm back here, sort of thing. <laughs> but once I had a, a, an aboga trip, where I had that experience, but then when I went back to normal, it shifted my whole philosophy on life. And with the spiritual crisis or the dark night of, of the soul, and you know, I, I have a more of a religious perspective on this, and I think that it's when your connection to God gets severed. It's like you, mm. you get removed from that connection, and then you're in this abyss of meaninglessness and despair, and you're just a speck on this universe with absolutely no meaning, nothing matters. This earth is just a satanic prison that in the end of the day, we're all going to die. Everyone that you love is going to die there. It's just a, a sick joke, basically like that kind of mindset. Okay, put, I, oh, you, you don't, you don't mean no, man. This is so <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if I, if I think it's a crisis, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, you just got to work and go on into that path of meaning, you know? back to god yeah. i guess and I, I guess if you're materialistic and skeptical then it's hard to break free from a dark night of the soul because you need to break free from that just that rational materialistic paradigm otherwise it's very hard it's very e- that's why it's so easy to go into a, a nihilistic paradigm you know and i was yeah. there i really tried to break free from it and it was difficult especially when you have like i have a very hyper analytical logical mind so it's like that has to fit i can't just believe like someone tell me like, oh, no, but there's meaning and there's God and everything happens for a greater purpose. It's like, yeah, it's great for you to tell me that, but I need to like logically work my way there and also feel it. So it has to harmonize on all like reason, logic, intuition, et cetera, et cetera. And and you don't know how how to do these things. It's all, you know, like when, you know, when I've been having sort of moments like that, someone says to me like, you know, you need to, 
you need to surrender. You need, you, you know, you're fighting. It's like I don't know how not. I, I don't know how to surrender. Like it's because mm. you're so you're so caught up in your own bullshit at the time. Um, and like I say, a specific if you, if you sort of got these kind of like analytical minds and you're looking for x equals y equals, you know, solve the equation. And then, and I saw uh, I was watching some other uh, guy on YouTube and he came up with this, a, a great line, which was, you know, when when you're in this, this state where you, you're you need to try harder actually try softer just 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 try not to resist and let it go but i still struggle with it um with with you know some of my experiences were it's yeah it's it's just like how i i know i know where i want to get to but there's, there's just a yeah whether it's you call it sort of a, an ego blockage or, or an emotional blockage stuff and it's 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 definitely not an easy thing to get to. So again, I think these kind of ritual elements or any any framework you can have that helps you get there is a positive thing. Mm. And I kind of and I want to ask you because I, and I did notice that there has been a kind of lot of the sort of like religious references and stuff like surfacing in your videos, and particularly with your recent conversation with uh, Stephen and um, Bankars, is it? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So is, is so is that like a conscious shift towards religion, or are you kind of like exploring these concepts as an overall part of this like spiritual landscape? It is conscious, but it's also something that I feel like was in the making for many years now. I just didn't know it. Mm-hmm. I feel like my values, my core values and the the way I think about life and philosophy, it was always there. I just didn't have a name for it. I just thought it was like, oh, no, it's a spirituality. I'm just, but it's all that, all that structure is already there. You know, people have put yeah. it together for, for a long time. I think it is for a lot of us because, and, and it's just something that's dormant, but, you know, we can see it even in, uh, culture that we all the stuff that tends to become super popular in culture has got this mystical element to it you know like so the, the jedis and and the sort of yeah dude you know, the, the that's awakening. all religious as fuck dude all fuck that stuff. yeah <laughs> I, I, yeah absolutely and 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 you feel it you know when you like when you first watch something like the matrix and you see neo get it and like come back and like you, just everyone in the cinema is like yes yes neo and, and you identify exactly. so much with that but yet we don't we we, we struggle to accept that outside of the kind of you know outside of the cinema or outside of the video game and it's yeah it's, it's weird it, it's a battle um, between our left and our right brain i feel because it's our right brain who watch these movies and it's like yes meaning god religion that's really what we're saying in our unconscious but our, our left brain is like oh no no it's all materialistic and it kind of hyper analyzes it and then it stops us from going forward yeah, yeah. And, I, and i noticed you, you made a couple of references which seemed to be from the kind of the, the jordan jordan peterson playbook who i mm-hmm. absolutely love and i was very lucky to get to meet jordan peterson when he's, oh really oh, yeah yeah we, so he was here in um in switzerland when his, his, his daughter was having one of her surgeries and uh yeah we got, i got to go and sort of chat with him for a few minutes and just awesome awesome dude awesome. he opened the doors actually to towards religion for me just but like unconsciously you know, because he kind of gives a more psychological perspective on like the Bible and things like that. And I'm like, oh, wow, I never thought of it that way. Even, yeah, I didn't go full deep, but it, it was just seeds that planted that didn't sprout until a couple of years later. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to see what this thing's about. Why not? Uh, but just just for those listening, I don't actually distinguish between spiritual and religious anymore. I feel like if you believe in God, you're religious. I think the term spirituality really just means you're just cherry picking from all sorts of different religions and then making your own thing. Whereas religion is more, a little bit more structured, I feel. Yeah, I, I would say religion, I mean, it's similar to what we talked about, this kind of traditional framework. So it's, you know, you are putting it into, you know, a, a language or a sort of a, a narrative or whatever you want to call it, that 
yeah, that, that kind of bootstraps you from zero into an understanding of something mm. and, and a, way, a way of conceptualizing these things. Because, again, just like we talked about with, with the Matrix things, you don't necessarily understand what, what it means. You just feel that this it means something and it, it kind of means everything, but you can't, you've not quite got the, the terminology for it. And it's exactly, and it takes many years to really even begin to grasp it you know what i mean like i said i feel like to even understand religion you should have a foundation of like philosophy like logic understand mathematics history culture you've got to put all these things together before you can even start grasping what it means because i feel like even theology is basically a really advanced form of philosophy it's a branch of philosophy but it's really mm -hmm. about the study of god in in a sense which is like very what Takes a, it takes so, a while. I'm still a noob. I'm just like kind of still dipping my toes in these waters, but just want to so learn you, more about. Did you, did you say then you you would sort of class yourself as as religious now then or? Uh, yeah. Well, I I believe in God. I believe in objective reality. I think that we should do the. I think there is a right or wrong. I think we should do the right thing. Be a good person. That to me what is what religious means. So in, by those definitions, then yeah, I'm religious. But is the is the God that you would believe in? Is it, is it one of the sort of in, in one of the books, or is it is it sort of your own sort of ideal of a of a higher power? Uh, I don't have a particular because again, I'm still kind of going through this, so I, I don't want to say it. But I would say that when I when I say God, I just mean the creator of the universe, that mm -hmm. the substantial reality that permeates all of existence. It's yeah. a more of a it's a more of a hermetic definition of God, but that's kind of what I resonate with. Yeah, I think I would I would say the same thing, and I think I think that's it's what I like. Absolute reality. That's what God is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think that's what I like about Jordan Peterson's stuff is that I mean he's you know he's unpicking things like the Bible in his uh, um, his biblical series, but it's again he's, he's he's analyzing it from all these kind of different angles, and it's it you don't have to be religious at all or or, or a Christian to to get anything. From um, right, right, and he, and he, definitely. And so it's 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 never even particularly clear what the what the God figure that Jordan Peterson sort of mm. so it, it doesn't really go into that in sort of too much details, but it's it's certainly some sort of higher power, and I think one way that can be manifested is through, you know, say say the, even the Christian Bible, which I would have completely dismissed, you know, a, a, a few years ago, and and I, I think I think now I'm sort of I mean I did read the Bible, but I read it so cynically. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would recommend reading like a, because I've been going kind of reading the more the Orthodox tradition, which is like mm -hmm. the original church. But that uh, reading like a study Bible really helps grasp the Bible a lot easier because it has like footnotes. Because you have yeah. the Bible and then you can like interpret it in so many different ways, but then the footnote is like this is actually what it means. So just to make it a little bit easier, and you can take it for what it's worth. I'm just going through it because I feel like it's in, at, at the very least. It's important history <laughs> to understand because it's like it's the foundation of all Western culture. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I think the other thing is, is it's it, it's also it's it's a snapshot of how our ancestors were thinking. Like if if nothing else, it, it's it's just you know something made them sort of capture these things in in a certain way. And I, I think there's there's that's something I've I've come to appreciate from which I didn't before. Whereas before I was kind of looking for ways to like nitpick of like, oh, well, that's clearly bullshit. Well, that's clearly bullshit. 
now I'm sort of like, all right, well, this is how they were thinking at mm. that sort of, at that and, point And time. there are different layers to understanding these. Like, you know, there's like the literal form, there's the symbolic, mm. the allegorical, and it's all, that's that's the paradox of it. It's not just like, oh, it's just literal or it's just symbolic. It's it's all of them, you know? Yeah. So that, that's, yeah, just, I don't know, man. I, I reckon it's one of those things that you could study for like 20 years and still just be scratching the surface of, you know? Yeah, absolutely. but really, I think you, what you what you're really doing is is scratching your own surface. That it's mm, you, you kind of exactly. it's it's yeah it, it's a I, I kind of see it a bit like something you know like almost like well like a psychedelic experience or like something like tarot or something like that whereby you what you're really doing is kind of manifesting you know what's going on with you through these stories you know why why do these stories resonate with you you know because mm. some some things you just you know you can read and they do like the the mystical element just pours out of it you know when you, you read some of the stuff in like revelations it's like like i have no idea what that means but fuck me it means something yeah. you know it's, it's really 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 deep it goes mystical as fuck man like <sighs> i know like a lot of western people like to go to the eastern philosophy because it's because of its mysticism but man it's all there <laughs> yeah, yeah, in western sure. really it's all there i think that it's maybe it's even just like a a rebellious nature to just kind of go against the the status quo who knows what it is but I, it's just a fascinating story that i'm going into it just like i'm reading it's just a very interesting story and just even reading it i'm like oh man there's so many movies that we watch that's like based on all this kind of stuff which yeah, i yeah. find very fascinating and that, that's one of the things i liked about uh the immortality key book was sort of like exploring even where that you know what what we call the sort of the bible these is how that came together from sort of like the greek culture and yep. I was com completely unrelated. I was in, in Greece on a family holiday in like September. And this was before I started reading the book. Oh, and nice. so I was doing I was doing all the tourist stuff and visiting. I was in Athens and and I was like, I mean, it, it's it's amazing when you see it. And I was just like, what makes people put this kind of thing together? Like, because you go to Athens and this big hill and then the temples up on the hill, it just dominates the skyline. It's like, yeah, you know, this was this was some effort for them to to get all, all this stuff up here. And then I got back and started reading the immortality and I was like, Oh, right. Well, that totally makes sense. Now, yeah, they were, it was, it's like a, a, a temple that is honoring this site. Like, you know, they'd seen it in this vision and then mm. they were trying to sort of manifest it on earth. And then it makes, it kind of makes total sense within that framework. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, and I really sort of liked what Brian did with that book and sort of putting together how these sort of traditions of Christianity may have emerged from the, the greek traditions that came before it so, so yeah or, or even how they the christians were oppressed man for hundreds of years like they were getting thrown to the lions because yeah, of what yeah. they believed. like crazy stuff and then the romans kind of just took over and then all right we're taking over get out of here yeah th this is ours now <laughs> so i i guess we're going from the sort of like christianity that gives us a, a nice way to circle back round to spiritual gurus and uh and one that's on both uh, both our radios radios radars is uh is leo guru who i, I will absolutely say uh, is a fascinating character mm -hmm. um not necessarily i think for for the reasons he, th he thinks he is um but you mentioned a few times <laughs> that you, you would <laughs> go ahead well, i mean yeah, yeah well i mean there's yes there's stuff to unpick on that guy, but I know that you've mentioned a few times that you you want to have some sort of dialogue with him, and as a vine, I've I think we both sent him sort of um, yeah, I've invites wanted, on I've, occasions. I've wanted, and I'll just say on the record that I've watched literally thousands of hours of Leo Gura. He was one of my early teachers that I followed uh, for my like, and it was very crucial on my path to self development. But 
once he started taking psychedelics, that's when he started to lose his marbles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, started I've... to go more into this cult-like following and kind of just believing in his own fluff and never really. And this is the problem with new age teachers is that you never, I want to say never an absolute, but 99% of the time you will not see a new age spiritual guru actually debate with with someone who has a different idea. Like they'll never really dialogue with people who have a different perception of reality. They'll kind of just stick with their own bubble and then kind of just hear their own echo chamber and it kind of builds like this cult-like following. Yeah. And it's the classic science, man. It's the classic science. And I do, I, I like Leo as a person. I just think he's misled in thinking that direct experience equals truth because basically that's where his argument falls under. It's like yeah. he'll give you all these arguments, blah, 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 blah. You just have to take 5-MeO-DMT and have a direct experience. That, that's really the foundation of his argument, which, of course, is it's like quicksand. You know, you can't depend your whole perception on reality because of an experience, a sensory experience that you've had. I think that's a, a dangerous spiritual trap. You know, we have to distinguish between interpretation of an experience and the experience itself. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I, yeah. I mean, I, I would I would pretty much mirror everything you said there, and I've, I've said a few times, even though I've been you know very critical of some of the stuff that Leo said. I've I've openly said I I think he's done some great work, some insightful work. He's a smart guy. He's a smart dude, man. Very well yeah, read. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I think that's part of the of the the tragedy around sort of him, because I think that if he did challenge himself a little bit to to come out of that echo chamber, I I, I think. I think it would do him some good to to have to sort of work through some of these ideas, and that's why I kind of I put some of my stuff out there. So I'm not I'm not trying to tear down Leo's entire channel or or, or no, debunk no. Or, or, or say everything he's done is bullshit. But I do sort of, and I'm always very specific. Say, look, this thing that you say here, this is just fucking nonsense. And yeah, but you know, for anybody who gets value out of, of of Leo's stuff from like three years ago, like I'm not trying to take that away from you at all. Um, like you said, it's not him as a person; it's the ideas that that we're criticizing here. You know? Yeah, and also then the, the uh, further to the, the sort of the ideas, I think the the audience around him has now become quite toxic. I think, and is mm-hmm. and and a lot of the times when I'm sort of you know saying stuff about Leo, or or even perhaps being a bit of an ass towards Leo, really what I'm doing is I'm, I'm being an ass towards some of the just insane levels of cult mentality which is stuff that leo himself may not necessarily think but his audience will will sort of think and will Mm. uh, so because i don't think leo necessarily is believes in in a lot of the things not that he's being insincere but i think of some of the stuff he says kind of perhaps metaphorically i think some of the stuff he says absolutely he he does believe in it and i think some of that's wacky in itself oh yeah have you Um, seen his enlightenment video in in real, uh, in real time he says I, I, I am god i am omnipotent i have infinite knowledge and then the amazon guy knocks on his door and he's like yeah yeah like kind of treats him like crap so that's all oh, yeah, yeah, funny <laughs> yeah, yeah I, i've seen that one because i think he's, he's just done a, a, another one recently like, kind of like we're a, all one we're all love but then the amazon guy who comes he's <laughs> supposed to be yeah <laughs> treats him like crap so again that it goes to show it's like the ideal perception of reality but then in re- in actual reality look how you're acting you know what i yeah. mean well i rattled his cage j- just this last weekend because i i don't know if you've been seeing this this whole thing with this guy called connor murphy who is who's yep. basically kind of like 
like been idolizing Leo and he's gone towards sort of that a, crazy path as well. Yeah. And, and sort of, he was kind of like looking to Leo for, for help. And Leo was just oh, calling call him a lunatic oh. and, and just, just say, say, no, you're embarrassing me. And I was like, dude, this guy is saying your exact spiel back at you and you're calling him a lunatic. Do you not see the, you know, the like irony here at all? And, uh, and yeah, so I, I managed to actually get some sort of response out to Leo on, on his on his forums where he did actually say to me that he would be open to having a discussion. And then he kind of backtracked on, on it later. He said, no, no, you can you can post your things in my forum. I thought, yeah, fuck, I'm not doing you know, yeah. I'm not. I, ch- I challenged him today <laughs> as well, because I've challenged him a few times just to go, you know, to have a friendly debate about these things. And I think it's healthy for him. That That's the problem about cult leaders is that they'll just stay in their little bubble and never really challenge themselves. I mean, they'll they'll challenge themselves, but it's all sort of like this mental masturbation, just them having a dialogue with themselves and sort of actually getting challenged by someone else. And I think that what's really what the reason why I'm passionate about this topic in particular is because you see a lot of young susceptible minds who start to follow these kind of ideologies, and they start have their psyche start to break apart, and they have like this crazy existential crisis, and they become lost, and they become basically solipsists, you know. Yeah, they don't know what reality is. Yeah, and I, I think that's part of that's part of my issue with, with what Leo does. I, I, you know, I, I will give Leo full credit for. I think he, I think he's had some, you know, very insightful experience, and, and he seems to be managing things in his own way. But he, you know, I mean, I've heard him refer to, to himself as a spiritual master, and I think you're not even. Cl- <laughs> this is just bad comedy. Like this, it's, this, uh, this is what I find. Well, one of the things that I find funny is that. He thinks that he can have an experience of being God, but he can't even have an experience of being another human being. Like he, he, could he transfer his consciousness and actually understand my essence and what I believe? No, of course not. It's impossible. So what makes you think that you can do it on the actual absolute God itself? Yeah, yeah. I, don't know. Uh, I mean, I mean, that's. I, mean, I think that's what we're seeing with the Conor Murphy situation is that he has adopted this kind of Leo's sort of teachings wholesale, and I think it's completely blown his fucking mind he's, he's um he doesn't seem to be having a, a, a good time with it. Oh, and i feel very sorry for him but and i think as well with, with the cult aspect of it um because i think there is a, a cult aspect to what's going on there actually but i don't necessarily think it's coming from leo i think the and never and think is that's, yeah that, that's the danger with these cults it, they happen around you and mm-hmm. and and often when what you see uh, with them is that the the leader actually doesn't have control of the thing the thing the cult becomes bigger than them and I, mm. I, I and i think that's what's that's certainly my experience of dealing with the with the actualized audience is that these guys are, f- are f- fanatical and I, i've had them sort of completely argue with me that yeah leo is all these things he has all these powers he's he's visiting them in the in the dreams he's all the all these you know oh. All, all these kind of like psychic events, and I'm I'm not sure Leo himself would even uh, agree with half that shit, or or maybe he would, maybe I don't know, maybe he's, he's, he's that far into it, who knows? But again, I I would also like to talk to him. So I, I you know, I think we could extend the invitation. You know, I think I think we could have you know any either you or myself would have a friendly, good faith conversation. Yeah, yeah. But but there's no ill will here challenge. at all. It's like um, it's like tough love sort of thing. I don't think he has friend i don't think he has good friends around him who actually calls out on his bullshit that's why it's good to have friends around you that are willing to call you out on your bullshit 
Because yeah, when you don't, when yeah. you don't, and you just have fanatic followers who praise what you say, what you say all the time, it's impossible not to let that affect your ego, and then you start having like this holier than thou messiah complex sort of thing. It's important well, to get you... pegged down a little bit. He's he's flying too close to the sun, and his wings yeah, yeah. will burn off if he keeps yeah. going the way he goes. <laughs> but how do you, how do you manage that then? Because I think in in terms of sort of um, like. Because I, I often, I mean, my channel is, is I'd say, is, is very small in, in the grand scheme of things. Um, and even now, I, you, you know, you feel that ingress of the audience into your sort of, into into your life. And, you know, Leo's channel, I, I think at one time was quite big. I think it's actually not as big as what it looks on, on first, first look. But still, he has this very passionate audience sort of who will, when he does one of these things of like something, you know, have some kind of experience they will egg him on to to further things how have you found sort of managing that because i would say probably your your channel and your audience is, is at least as as big as big as leo's even if it doesn't look that in terms of subscribers um i am like i said i'm kind of rebellious by nature and as soon as i start to have i sense that the crowd kind of have this uh, dogmatic view on reality i'll just challenge myself <laughs> and i'll just make videos say like kind of challenging certain ideas that i know is going to be controversial even within the psychedelic community and then that kind of stirs up a little bit of backlash so i kind of i do it to myself a little bit i like to peg it's maybe it's the australian in me because like we kind of go through like this tall poppy syndrome so as soon as you start to grow a little bit you just got to peg yourself down and plus i have an amazing girlfriend who always calls me out on my bullshit no matter what and that that yeah. helps to humble me and also i have good friends also call me out on my bullshit not just yeah, like, I, I, I don't just hang out with like spiritual people floating in the ether who just agree with everything that you say i i do not like that you need to hang out with some real people it's hard yeah, to find real friends great. but they're there it, it is it is but yeah like i say having, having a, a sort of that support network I, you know I've, I've got myself you know having a wife and, and two kids as well that shit will ground you quick man you know oh, when you go <laughs> So yeah, I, I I think what I tend to see with with those guys who do get a bit sort of lost in it is you soon see that they don't seem to have this yeah they they kind of like solitary sort of lone wolf types and again that then I think yeah I'm, I'm sure I could end up in exact same state if and also also with the the podcast that I do I like to um, invite people from all different sorts of walks of life you know even if they don't agree with me especially if they don't agree with me if they would you know if they'll come on of course i think it's important to challenge my idea that's why i want to get a i actually invited a like a vegan activist for example want to challenge because I'm not, I'm not a vegan anymore so i want to like talk to him about that and also a materialist atheist which is that mm -hmm. complete opposite end of the spectrum from what i believe but it's important to just to talk to people who who don't agree with you as long as they're cool yeah. and likable, of course. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's good good faith. I think that's what it is. So mm -hmm. it's, I you know, if you, which I think I guess is, is this kind of the spirit of which you and I would sort of w want to talk to someone like Leo. It's like we're not saying you're going to necessarily agree with with, with them. And again, there's this challenge, but it's not necessarily an arsey challenge. I'm not trying to you know rip someone a new arsehole or debunk them or anything. But no, no, you do, no you know this is how we grow i think is, is through this kind of you know challenge response make me think about stuff and putting know, their I, ideas to the test you know because that's how logic works because you think that you have a you know you have the a true 
interpretation of reality, but then just this one tiny little information would come in and then make your whole argument fall apart. And you're like, oh, shit, I guess I was wrong on that one. I'm going to have to rethink this. Yeah. yeah. So one, one thing I, I wanted to, to ask you a little bit was just around the the kind of the state of of YouTube. And I know that you've had some recent sort of run-ins in terms of like censorship and what what's just kind of what's your mm. feel here because you, you've been doing this for like quite a few years now and you know on, on the one hand something something positive is, is happening because otherwise we wouldn't be here doing this thing that we do but then there is something that's encroaching in which I, I know you had this negative experience around was it like a testing kit that you you linked on yeah on I, got a, I got a strike and the video got removed and they're like yeah dude this is illegal I'm like what I appealed it and it got declined mm-hmm. and then I got my network partner to sort it out and it eventually got sorted out and they removed it. Oh, cool, man. Thank God. Uh, but yeah, man, I don't know what's going on. I I don't know if it's censorship because it really could just be the the way that the YouTube algorithm is done. I, I think so. I, honestly, what I think it is, is that my one of my more viewed videos is a trip simulation so that whenever I release something that's not a trip simulation that a lot of people subscribe me for, they're not mm-hmm. going to watch it. And so the click-through rate gets down and it doesn't get promoted. So I, I actually don't think it's a censorship issue. I think that was just my own screw-up yeah. <laughs> of making a popular trip simulation because that's not what my channel is about. I just made like three, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it really could just be a thumbnail title algorithm kind of thing. I just got to learn to play the game better. So I'm just yeah. choose to take more responsibility because I don't think that YouTube is censoring psychedelic content necessarily. I think if I mean, anything, they're censoring. It is a little bit, but I, I honestly, I think that they're censoring more like controversial stuff, like political content and things like that. Yeah, for, for sure. So there's, there's something going on there, and I think, I think if there was an agenda against sort of psychedelics on on from from the censorship angle, I mean, I mean, we'd just be wiped out pretty much instantly because it, because it's mm-hmm. it's not hard hard to to you know. You can you can put in you could put in a few sort of keywords, find exactly. all the like, content that'd be gone. Exactly. So I think the fact that the fact that we're here, I think, still shows that that's not necessarily the agenda. But no. certainly, some, things things have happened, and I think it's like I say, it's just uh, a sort of an algorithmic glitch right. whereby something got penalised. Like I, I don't want to sweep it under the rug. I'm sure there that sort of plays a part of it, but I guarantee you, if I just made from now on. I just made videos of me just taking psychedelics on camera. I bet you it will get even more views, even though it's more dangerous and irresponsible. That's the yeah, yeah. reality of it. It, it is. I, I had that it's, exactly because it's what people want. And I'm kind of going through that. Like, oh, man, but I don't want to do that. That's that's the I don't. It's like with the with the psychedelics. If I kind of just dropped my morals and my integrity and just made video like silly videos that would get more views. Than actually making like deep philosophical videos about integration, or actually helping people and giving value, that just gets less views. It's just how it is. But then you sell, you're kind of selling your soul, then, and you're gonna you're gonna exactly. end up sort of being like shit. So I mean, I mean for the yeah. long game, so it's all good. Well, you got you just got to be in it for. I, I think, and I got, this ties back to what we were saying at the beginning, which which I really liked about how c- the creative element. And I was when I was watching some of your videos about when you were at Arcana and stuff where you're walking between the different buildings and the, and the sort of the psychedelic effects that you put in. I was like, nah, that's, that's nice, mate. So I, I think to, you've got to do something that you're proud of, you know, that, that you can watch. And I think I, I know that when I make something where I think, oh, that's, I've, I've done a good job there. 
And also I, I make something like just what you're saying around the, the kind of the, the things about, you know, just smoking something. I did a, a video where a friend of mine sent me some, uh, some smokable Amanita mascara. And so, but which is, is legal in, in Switzerland. So I thought, okay, I, oh, I, nice. I can do this on camera. So I, I tested it on camera. It was a four minute unboxing video. It took like zero effort. And it was just kind of like, <laughs> here's this, I got sent this. Yeah, my most successful video this year. The views went like, for me, the view, it was like, I think it's coming up like 100,000 views, which is for me <laughs> insane. And I was like, this was nothing. I, I spent months on this video over here. I know, <laughs> like, I know. The pains of being a, a YouTube creator. Yeah, but it's, it's like, like you got to like balance these things out because every now and again, like even with a trip simulation, for example, what inspires me to even do them every now and again is more just for the cinematography aspect of it. Now I'm like creating music so I can just put my own music towards it. But I don't want that to be the only thing that I do because then I would really be screwing my channel up. And then, yeah. so it's all I about the algorithm yeah but i get just just be just be sort of true to yourself and i think keep just keep doing what you're doing mate i think you know you know, i am yeah who, who would have who would have thought that any of us would have had any kind of audience at all ever just just running our mouths about you know crazy transcendent experiences so, so something's going right and uh yeah i think i think your channel's awesome now i've been like i've been watching it for a few years now what what's the kind of what's the future then for for the channel have you got any sort of particular directions or I'm just going to keep next? keep doing what I'm doing. I have a second channel called Raw Spirituality, which I yeah, created man. a couple years ago, and that was focused more on like uh, Jungian psychology, spirituality. Obviously, I'm going to go probably into more theology and religion stuff like that. And yeah, that's I'm going back on that channel, and I want to really work on that and put more energy and love into it because then I feel like that's like the channel that I can talk about all the stuff that I'm really, really passionate about that has nothing to do with psychedelics. So, so then I have that outlet instead of just trying to force that content on my main channel, which just ends up screwing the algorithm up anyway. Yeah. It's, it's a tricky one to, I, I, I've come to that sort of point myself where I'm thinking there's, there's some stuff where it doesn't fit together and yeah, it's kind of okay. Maybe like, even maybe even like long form conversations like this, maybe mm. would be sort of, better over here compared to something like a 10 minute like you say trip report or trip simulation we look it's all because that garners one audience and that garners another so i've been sort of umming and ahhing whether just to start slicing things up or not but i i don't i don't think i'm quite there yet but i, I do watch uh, some stuff on your on your your second channel i was kind of interested as to what, what were that separation was for you so i guess yeah the more sort of the thought experiment stuff i guess is, is what you'd, you'd put on the raw channel yeah or even like uh recently the chat the the videos that exploded actually and i got like lots of psychologists all these people from university saying hey can i use your video and it's so funny because I, I was studying psychology and i quit university to do youtube and now all these university people are like <laughs> using my videos for the, the for their classes which is awesome you know but I, I really like the concept of the hero's journey and delving into yeah. archetypes and integration and kind of mixing in pop culture because I'm like a movie nerd as well. So I like kind of mixing all that in. And I think it, well, that's what, that's what yeah. I wanted to oh, to pick up because I, I saw you want you wanted to blog post. You did a, a reference to to Jacob's Ladder, which yes. is oh, I, I love that film. I think there was there was a there's that that period in the '90s. I think it was when Jacob's Ladder came out when there was like Jacob's Ladder and The Exorcist Three and just this sort of string of like so there's something about that period where like really good dark movies 
like just just something that really taps into the darkest parts of the human psyche. Yeah. Jacob's Ladder, I, I love it. I think but it's it had a, But at the end of the day, it had an underlining, very beautiful message behind it. You know, it wasn't just all doom and gloom, but it was really messed up. You just had to go through the journey. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to the other side. And see, that movie, man, that's like religious as fuck, man. That, that whole movie is just littered with religious analogies and stuff like that. Well, I mean, it, I mean, it is. The, it, well, Jacob's Ladder, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it, 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 it's like a, it's a pure spiritual crisis. That's kind of it. And it's only at the end when he lets go of of all that kind of mm-hmm. the shit that, that was plaguing him. That is, yeah, he's kind of... Or how his chiropractor represented the angel Gabriel. You know, that was really cool. Yeah, but still, but still putting the work on him, still making him go. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, an exactly. easy ride with Gabriel. Yeah, great movie. Right, well, I mean, I think it's probably a good place to, to wrap it up, mate. So I just want to say thank you so much for, for sort of making time. I know you're a busy guy. Um, is there anything you want to sort of like say in closing or like anything you want to point people to or any events you've got coming up? Uh, not just, well, actually, I'm still in lockdown, so I can't really go outside my country, but I will be actually uh, exploring the beautiful country of Australia, meeting up with some friends and uh, getting to know more about the Aboriginal culture and just keep doing my thing, you know. So if you want to check us out, you can go on my YouTube channel or my website. But that's it, man. I really appreciate you inviting me on and I hope that this conversation was fruitful and people got some some golden nuggets and it wasn't just me speaking out of my ass. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> that's all we can ever that's all we can ever right? it was fruitful for me man and I, it's always you know it's, it's always nice just to, to in the simpler just connect with like sort of a, a fellow traveler and you know, say come a little bit out of your bubble and hear somebody else experiences some of the stuff you, you said today i thought you know I, I thought oh you know i didn't think of it that way so it's it's been an absolute pleasure man. i really enjoyed it and uh yeah i can always tip my hat to somebody who appreciates the value of the word mate so <laughs> cheers, dude. Just, likewise brother i appreciate your work as well and uh yeah man i hope you Enjoy the rest of the month and have a Merry Christmas. You too, mate. Yeah, it's, uh, it's always always fun time. Like I said, I've got two kids, so Christmas time's always a fun time. It was actually also, like on, on the 1st of December, it started snowing here in Switzerland. And my oh, kids really? went nice. bananas. Like, it was like, yes, snow. <laughs> so, yeah, it's so cool. Right, Tom, I'll let you get off, mate. Thanks so much. And, uh, yeah, just keep doing what you do, brother. It's awesome. All right, brother. Peace out. Cool. Much love. Mm-hmm.